Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along. It's Sunday. It's the 2nd of April. Do you know, can you believe that we are whizzing through this year so fast now? Because we're into April. After April, we've got showers. Uh, then there's May. And then there's June. And um, as I say, and then, and then it's Christmas. Which is exciting, isn't it? Hope you've started planning already. I'll give out my Christmas shopping list a little bit later on. Which TV veteran has joined Albert Square? Uh, Jeremy Thorpe did send a hitman to kill me. This is his ex-lover. This is Norman Scott. This is a story that was about in the 70s in this country, and now it's reared its head again. Um, the man behind, uh, take that, is writing a book. I can't wait to read it. This is uh, Nigel, what's his face? Martin Smith. I can't wait to read that one. I mean, there'll be all the stories. Robbie Williams is out touring again. Only one of his shows has sold out. Still lots of seats available for Robbie Williams. You're not telling me the bubble has burst, does it? Can't have done. Surely must still be there. It's not Bross all over again, is it? Do you think the people have sudden? I mean, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I only ask this 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 question as a as a sort of a, a sort of a guide to educating myself. Do you think it gets to that stage where people go, yeah, it's lovely, we were fans, but we're not going to spend that much money going to see somebody because it's not cheap now. And I think Bross were offering packages, so we had five shows. They've cancelled four, I think, or three. They've cancelled they've, whatever it is. They've actually cancelled them. Uh, Robbie Williams shows come up a lot quicker than Bross. Bross is in August. Robbie, I think you'll find it's May and June, which has been arranged fairly quickly, unless they've already done it. This is supposed to be his massive tour. But knowing knowing Robbie Williams, there won't be anything particularly special. And there never has been. It'll just be him with a big band on stage and uh, and you'll sing the songs for him. And that's it. So I'm, I'm having a look here at... Um, so he's he's early June. He's off to uh, Manchester, Manchester, Manchester. Good God, he's off to Manchester quite a few times actually. Or is this all the same thing? Oh, it, that's right. It's all sort of packages. Two shows in Manchester. It's called the Enter- the Heavy Entertainment Show. I hope so. But I mean, he's he's never been one to spend money on it before, and uh, he's supported by Erasure. He's doing St Mary Southampton. Now I have a feeling that's the one that's sold out. I have a feeling that Southampton has actually sold out because that was uh, that was the only one I was looking at. They can do official hospitality. Se- How much are hospitality seats? Can I see if I can afford anything? Because I've become quite mean, as you know, in my in my dotage. And uh, they were talking earlier on. I heard somebody talking earlier on about how much money people save and how little savings people have got. And we had this this discussion before. And it turned out the majority of people have only got a hundred pound in savings. Well. Um, so sorry, let me have a quick check. Here we go. Sold out. Uh, VIP Manchester sold out. Uh, hospitality sold out. Southampton sold out. Hospitality in Coventry. So it's only the yes. I'm I'm now. So it's it's the premium VIP that have sold out, isn't it? I'm assuming. So that's interesting. So we haven't. Yeah, I don't know. So he's going through to August as well, but we don't know how much these uh, these seats cost. But I, I don't think it's cheap. I'm tr- I was trying to find out, but it's very, it's, it's very difficult on these websites. They don't make it easy for you to find out how much something costs. I've got to mention very quickly, actually, Aussie producer. The only reason I mention him, because he's currently in hospital, poor soul. He's got kidney stones, and uh, he doesn't sound at all like he normally does. My friend Rich said he spoke to him a short while ago. I wanted to FaceTime him, and he sent back a very rude... Obviously, the, uh, the drugs haven't quite kicked in as yet. And, uh, sorry, seated ticket for Robbie Williams, £71.50 up to £108. 
That's that's seated. That's for the Olympic Stadium. Oh well. £108 is an awful lot of money. I don't care who you are, because you'd have thought, actually, the bigger the venue, the cheaper the seats would be. But, you know, obviously it costs a lot of money for Robbie Williams. And he's got to pay for that house, hasn't he? The Michael, what's it, uh, Michael Winner house that he paid for. So I think that's a lot of money. So just suppose, I mean, how many does it seat this, this place? 60,000. OK, let's say, let's, let's knock out the £108 ticket. Let's say they were all £50 tickets, which they're not. How much would that be? How much would that be? There's, what, 20,000 seats in there? 60,000 for a... For, I think it's obviously less for a concert, because most people for... Oh, no, they, they would be seated. Yeah, you get be seated. So let's say on average, so let's say 40,000, shall we? 40, well, it seems an awful lot, doesn't it, in a stadium? 40,000 people in a stadium to see Robbie Williams. Uh, he needs a hit single, doesn't he, before you can actually go out there. So whatever it is, we're looking at... Um, how many million pounds is he going to gross per night? 80,000 for concerts. Oh, right. God. At, at 50, so 40, about four and a half million quid per show. Four and a half million pounds per show. Good Lord. I mean, it can't cost that to put it on, can it? Four and a half million quid. I better start increasing the capacity of the venues I'm playing. I'm obviously playing the wrong end of the scale here. I could be Robbie Williams and come on stage and mime to and through it all, shoves me protection. A lot of love and affection. Excuse me. Oh, and I am delighted to be with you uh, on this auspicious Sunday morning. I must just point something out, actually, only because it, 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 it stuck a note in my mind. Matt was talking earlier on about somebody who had... Um, reached the end of their tether. It was people who'd, who'd gone down the list. They couldn't afford to do this. They couldn't afford to do that. They didn't have any any money for this. They couldn't afford to, to do. They can't afford to borrow. They're maxed out on credit cards and all the rest of it. So they thought what, what they do, uh, basically, it came down to taking out um, a huge insurance policy and then, and then taking their own life. And Matt said, quite rightly, you know, you need to contact Samaritans. You're not alone in things. But, but the, the main thing is that if you take your own life, all insurance policies are invalid immediately. And I remember this from a long, long time ago where one of the insurance policy companies said, well, of course, I mean, if, if it wasn't uh, uh, people doing things like that, it would, be, it would be a different situation. But if you've taken your own life, people would be just doing it, wouldn't they? People who the balance of their mind was disturbed would be saying, well, I'll take out a huge insurance policy and, uh, and then I'll kill myself. In the film, um, I think it was Airplane, they had a man there who had a bomb on board and he'd taken out a huge insurance policy the day before so that his wife would end up with the money. But, of course, they had to point out to him on the plane, and he did detonate the bomb, um, that the insurance policy becomes null and void. It's completely invalid, so you don't, you don't solve anything. Otherwise, people would be doing it left, right and centre. So I just thought I'd mention that because I thought that was important in case people were thinking, oh, well, that would be an easy way out of something. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. They, they always investigate. So, in other words, if you take out an insurance policy a few days before something happened, you, they'd be investigating. They would be cu curious to discover why it had happened. Uh, and there are loads of charities. There are lots and lots of charities, including Samaritans, but they're just one of, you know, and also the other thing is talk to people who you know. Talk to friends. Talk to friends. You know, I always worry about people who get to that stage in their life and they've got, they've got no money or they've got this and that. And I've said, but why didn't you talk to people? Why didn't you talk to people? And they go, oh, I don't like to. I thought, well, you must. You must talk to people. Otherwise, you end up being like, you know, 
poor Australian producer who doesn't want to talk to anybody this morning because he's not... Well, apparently he's in a ward. I said, I'll FaceTime you. I can FaceTime you. He said, no, don't. He said, I'm on the ward at the moment. So he doesn't want to tell the people in the hospital he's in that he knows Steve Allen. Because if you remember, this was the little thing he had the other day where he was out with a, with a crowd of chums. For that, read, people he's just met in a bar. OK, they weren't friends of his at all. And he met them and then they go on to a club together because he liked tags on. You'll always see the Australian producer out. You'll see him in London and it's always following Japanese tourists with a lady with an umbrella. And they're going, my group this way. He's always at the back. He, he likes that because to him it's, it's company. It's company. It's friends that he never had before. And so he goes out to this, uh, to this bar and he has a few, uh, few little drinkies, uh, talks to a couple of Sheilas. And then they all go, and let's go on to a nightclub. So he tags on with them anyway. Cut a long story short, they then sort of say to him, what, is, you know, what, what do you do for a living? And, and he says, oh, I work, uh, yeah, I'm a, a producer uh, on a radio show. And they go, on, on which station? And he goes, LBC. And they go, do you know Steve Allen? Because you know, that's what people do. You get a lot of people asking this kind of thing, social workers mainly. And, uh, and it's people. Who, and so he says, yeah, I, I know Steve Allen. And then to prove it, he tries to FaceTime me. I mean, how embarrassing. So he's sort of, yeah, I've, I've got Steve Allen. And he shows him the phone. Look, I've got Steve Allen's phone number in the phone. Has he written something very rude? He's very rude at the moment. I hope the pain's getting worse, actually. I'm sure it will be. And uh, I gather no more painkillers till the morning. So um, it's only because I've had a word with the, uh, with the doctors up at the hospital. Because we know where you are. I'm going to send a minicab round to collect you, I've decided. We're going to take you home and then just leave you somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> What's he written? Is it really very rude? Is he? Re he's really. S oh, he's used the worst one, has he? Honestly, the the trouble is, as we all know, being rude to somebody is a sign of affection. It's a sign of deep, deep love and affection. And he can't get enough of me. He really can't. You know, even though desperately I'm trying to sort of offload him to anybody, North Sea fishermen, you know. People going to Dubai on the early morning flight today. Anybody at all. Uh, returning from Paris, says Katrina. It was a delight to hear you yesterday morning so much. I fell out of bed laughing. And uh, so there you go. Pure Steve Allen magic. That must have been the best of Steve Allen. Yeah, very funny. Very, very funny first time round. Funny a second time round. But as I say, if you are in hospital, like our dear Australian producer. Ow, oh, ow, oh, it hurts. I know. It's your own fault. You've had it before, haven't you? You're obviously doing something wrong in your life that makes it return. And to be honest with you, I've never had kidney stones. Everything else but. So if you know about that, do tell me about it. Uh, Prince Charles claimed he had to go to see a, a shrink. Um, Bob Geldof says, uh, let's say a proper goodbye to George. What do you mean? Like, What's a proper goodbye to George? Like, bye. He's dead. I mean, I don't want to be rude about it, but as I pointed out before, there's not going to be much point in giving him a proper goodbye. He's had a proper goodbye. He had it from his boyfriend of four years, Faddy, and he had, the, admittedly, we hung on to him for a little bit longer than we should have done, I think. But uh, he's had a proper good... But what, oh, you mean a money-making concert? Sorry. Well, if you'd said money-making concert, I'd have understood it. The thin yellow line in the Cotswold village. you remember the Cotswold village and the little bloke who had a yellow car there, an 82-year-old, and he parked it, and it meant that people who were tourists couldn't get a proper picture of this picturesque village because of the yellow car there. So it was vandalised. They smashed his windows, they keyed it, they did everything. It had to be destroyed. And uh, anyway, I'm delighted to say that, uh, that the British public took over and 100 bright yellow vehicles arrived in the village the other day. So it's called Bybury. 
So uh, we're really pleased, actually. I'm recommending that anybody with a bright yellow car moves into the village and really, really annoys all the tourists who go down there. Isn't that awful that somebody would actually vandalise a car because they wanted a shot of the village without a yellow car in it? Really, is that Matt was getting upset about that. What, does he live in Bybury or something? Has he got a house down there? Uh, I feel sorry for the man as well. I think that's dreadful somebody would do that. I mean, absolutely awful. Ooh, oh, Aussie boy, yes. Ow, sorry. I'm just, we're all doing it in sympathy with you. You've, you've no idea how much joy this, uh, this, this programme wants to bring you this morning to take away the pain. Take away the... Oh, doesn't matter. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. I've, I've been in correspondence with the, uh, with the Aussie producer. He's just been told off, actually, for using his phone on the ward. I think people are trying to... We're trying to sleep. And he's talking to Steve Allen on the radio, and it's... Here we go, here we go. I tell you, this is him again. <laughs> he says, unfortunately for you, I've got plenty of life in me. <laughs> Different to what the nurses tell us. Different to what the nurses tell us. But anyway, we have been finding out exactly what kidney stones are, and Jim says they're very painful. They're the equivalent to giving birth. Oh, he'll be well used to that. Oh, yes, well used to that. It's the equivalent of giving birth. How do you explain that to a man, Bill? How do you explain... You know, you can say... You know, women go... I can remember, was it Ruby Wax? And she was explaining to Pamela Anderson, the baby's coming out of there. OK, you're going to scream in agony. And Pamela Anderson went, you think so? And, uh, and I thought it was quite funny, actually. So that's the only way I can, I can equate it to giving birth. Because I don't know, I've never, never given birth. But uh, I'm sure that Ozzy's produced... A lot of people have sent him good wishes... And also helping he'll vacate the bed for somebody with more pressing needs, maybe. Uh, very, very uh, painful, says Jim. I only spent one night in hospital with kidney stones. Sympathy to him. Oh, please don't pander to him. Please don't pander to him. He's, he's only over here for the free medication. You know, if, if he was back in Mooney Ponds, you know, he'd have to wait up and queue until the hospital opened in the morning. Uh, my mum had uh, kidney stones and she was crying in pain. The hospital said, we can't do anything about it. Drink lots of water and they come out. I thought that, don't they, um, that being the now medical programme on LBC, don't they blast them with sort of rays or something like that and so they shatter the stones or is that, yes, we'll find out tomorrow when he, when he wanders around. Oh, oh he's, he's doing the whole bit as well with the voice. It's funny how when people are ill, nobody talks normally like, you know, I've got kidney stones. Oh, God, kidney stones. I mean, it doesn't even sound like him. He sounds like he's doing a bad impression of Wurzel Gummidge visiting, you know, down under. It's, it's very odd. Problems can always be solved, says Dean. There's always somebody who can help. I reckon Aussie boy's missing you and vice versa. No, seriously, I'm not remotely bothered. I know. You're obviously mistaking me for somebody that cares. Sadly, we don't. No, I mean, I don't know where, where you get them from. I don't know whether they arrive because you drink too much, you eat the wrong food. Uh, it's probably my fault. I probably fed him the wrong stuff. It's probably something his stomach is not used to. You know, I give him a Marks and Spencer's roll or a sandwich or something like that. Sometimes a little bit of fruit. And it's probably that that's, that's brought there. So I'll, I'll be blamed for it. I'm always blamed for everything. Um, another one here says, uh, Bill, Bill the Cabby says, Steve, what's FaceTime for us old fogies? Well, it's, it's on telephones. Um, and and I, I, do you remember, I don't know what it is either. It's, it's a way of pushing a button and it rings your phone. If your phone has got FaceTime on it, it's a phone call, but I can see the person there. So it's like having my own TV camera. And the picture quality is Perfect. Perfect. And it's on most phones now. But as I say, I've tried to FaceTime Aussie Boy. But I know what he'll be doing is sort of painting himself like a geisha. So he looks a bit pale and insipid. And it's sort of, oh, hurts. But I know he's listening to the programme. 
I know he's absolutely glued to it just to hear what the programme sounds like from Water Helps. Oh, that's good. Yes, keep keep drinking the water. That's very good. And I'm sure that the, the hospital will do everything for you. OK, because that's what they do in hospitals. And that's good. See, I wouldn't even know. You know, I mean, I'm a bit older than he is. Not much by the sound of it. And um, I've never had kidney stones. So obviously it only affects certain people. And I don't know whether or not it's, you know, I mean, the I mean, the, the thing could be talking to strangers that could actually bring it on or, you know, drinking, you know, oh, tonight Steve had a Jaeger bomb or something. Because, I you know, I don't do things like that. Robbie Williams says Pablo will soon be back with Take That when he has a large tax bill to pay. <laughs> um, well, he I think he is touring with Take That, isn't he? I think he said that he will go back with them again. So here we go. Most stones form due to a combination. Wait, wait for this one, Mike, of genetics and environmental factors. Risk factors include high urine calcium levels, not drinking enough fluids, stones form in the kidney when minerals in urine are at a high concentration. Good Lord, we're learning so much about you. Apparently, it's uh, in those who've had stones, prevention is by drinking fluids such that more than two litres of urine is produced a day. Good Lord, above. And um, they can do extracorporeal shock wave lytrotripsy. Whatever it is, you're going to have bits passed into parts of your body that you wouldn't even show your mother anymore. OK. Apparently, 1 to 15 percent of people globally are affected by kidney stones at some point. In 2013, you'd be delighted to know this, 49 million cases occurred. I won't tell you the other bit because uh, that. No, seriously, no, it's, it's unnecessary, really. And um, they've become more common in the Western world. Since I can't read that bit out, can I? I mean, I would want to worry him, for goodness sake. Uh, generally, more men are affected than women. And uh, kidney stones have affected humans throughout history. Larger stones may be helped to pass with the medication uh, Tamsulosin. Whatever it is, it doesn't sound very, uh, very nice. But obviously, drinking water is good for you. So drink. In fact, I just stay in the kitchen with your, with your mouth under the tap. It sounds like the best thing, isn't it, really? That's awful, isn't it? I wonder where you get it from. They go here. It's recommended that soft drinks with phosphoric acid, typically colas, be avoided. Does he drink many of those sort of drinks? Does he drink? Is he a fizzy? Sorry? Yeah. Oh, he dr- Fosters. I don't think Fosters counts as cola, does it, really? Anyway, at least we know all about it. Steve, I've pulled over to say, says, oh, it's Matthew, that kidney stones, are, he's, you see, Matt, Matt's had them as well, twice. Isn't it funny? Me with all my illnesses and everything else, I've, I've never had kidney stones. Where'd you pass them through? Do you pass them out through through we? I mean, if if they're if they're, why are they painful? I mean, are they as I think like lots of little marbles or so? Uh, and then uh, so they're there in the kidney. So why would that be just painful? It's just something that kit sits in the kidney, is it? Or or do they sort of rub together? Or so? I don't know. And how how do you pass them out? Is that through we or do they? As I said before, do they? What are those other things that they they get? Um, not a ray gun, you know, they blast them. Like a laser, they blast them with lasers and then they shatter. And then you pass them through that way. I mean, because that would be awful, isn't it? Because if they're like the size of small marbles and you you stand in front of the toilet, I mean, you don't want to fill the toilet bowl up, do you? With sort of, you know, lots of marbles, unless you think you're having a game or something. You know, and you could sort of play with them now. I mean, really, I don't know. Now we know that I'm surrounded by ill people here. Small wonder I'm ill. Every time I talk to someone, they've all got, they've all got different illnesses to me. I've got... It's, it's that, he's what? Oh, it's mad how soothing I Well, that's, that's very sweet, honestly. And, uh, and don't think that we're not think. who's this? Matt? Oh, Matt. Oh, the Aussie boy. 
No, I mean, to be honest with you, I think, and I've, I've had this said before, Aussie boy, you know, people have said, you know, I've been in pain, or I've had this, and I've listened to Steve Allen, and, and it makes you forget about your pain until the programme finishes, and then it comes back with a vengeance. <laughs> no, seriously, honestly, if, if, if you can't laugh at yourself, you're probably missing the joke of the century. And, um, and no, it, 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 it will go, but you've got to drink loads of water, apparently. It's interesting. I read on the internet they can shrink a submarine and its medical crew to a site. No, that was a programme on the television, OK? That was called... What did they call it? Was it Voyage of the Unknown? It's where they shrunk a little submarine in somebody's body and it went through all the, all the blood vessels. You wait to... Listen, the only way you'll ever think that was ever possible is if, is, is if you ever have stents. And you look at the little vein on your arm and it just looks like, just looks like a blue vein on your right arm or your left arm. And they get a camera up there holding a little thing at the end and they push it up while you're awake. And that's the only way you suddenly think, my God, technology has moved on a bit. My God. Can you imagine being around in the time of Henry VIII and you've got toothache because of, um, because of something in the root or they had to do root canal. They didn't do root canal. They didn't do root canal. They didn't have things like that. You suffered in pain. If you had a bad back, there was no diclofenic or anything like that. You just suffered with bad back. You just had to get on with it. And in the early days, if you got gangrene in your leg, there was no morphine. There was no anaesthetic. They just cut your leg off. They cut your leg off. In the, um, what do they call it now? The operating room in London. They've got one in an old hotel. Uh, sorry, in an old hospital. And what was the main ingredient in there? Sawdust sawdust all over the floor to a depth of about two inches. The reason being that they literally forced a bottle of whiskey down you and then held you down and sawed your leg off. It was as simple as that. Many people died as a result. Nowadays, I mean, technology... I don't want to worry you, Mike, but, I mean, technology is so much better. So much better. And if you've got things like, you know, water... I mean, water at one time. People wouldn't have had the access to clean water. Ultrasonic waves is the answer. Apparently, uh, Andrew says... I had kidney stones. They hurt because they're jagged and sharp. You pass a stone through your wee. Ow, ow, ow. And somebody says it's like giving birth. Same sort of thing, is it? That's bad, isn't it? That is really bad. But uh, anyway, uh, Steve, my image of your tanned, fit, surfer dude Aussie producer has diminished slightly. Now I'm imagining a pale, sickly Mr Muscle type bloke. <laughs> OK, well, that's fine. Just imagine pale and sickly, though. Take away the Mr Muscle. It doesn't work like that at all. I'm sure Auntie Enid has had kidney stones. She's had most other things, Steve. Well, she has, bless her heart. I mean, she's had most things. But uh, I don't know if she's had kidney stones. She'll probably... I'll probably get something by carrier pigeon later on saying, yes, I have had, and you'll remember why. But as I, say, I don't think she remembers me at the moment. I've tried to tune all the radios in in the home where, where she's in, um, around there, which is good. When you hit 40, will you be having a little party at Twickenham Rugby Ground for all your listeners, says Anthony. I have to have my 40th recently, as I've been 39 for 12 years. I know the feeling. No, I, I don't do big parties anymore. I've decided big parties are not the thing. But uh, the big thing this morning is the newspapers. I want to go through them because I know you're going to love some of the stories. You might love most of the stories, actually. Um, I didn't do the April Fool's jokes. I was a, a little bit disappointed that I wasn't here because I normally like to actually get them in. Who's the TV veteran who's joined Albert Square? Uh, Elton John's praise for Ed Sheeran. He's kept take that off the top spot. Take that, only sold 113,000 albums. That's all you need to get to number one now. Seriously. And um, Mary Berry gives in to the blowtorch. She always swore blind she'd never use one, but she's decided she has. Um, I really, really want to read Nigel Martin-Smith's book. 
I can't wait. That will that will tell you everything. That will be so so good. And Gemma Oten, dreary, boring, dull, really tedious on. Uh, having a fling with Nick Knowles, and then she says, I feel burned. Why don't you just get over yourself? Why don't you just get over yourself, try and grow up a little bit, and try and sort of leave the press alone? I'm not interested. Who you've been out with? I couldn't care less whether you went out and then he finished with you. That's kind of tough luck, dear. Kind of tough luck. He was obviously right, because you're obviously one of those moaning Marys who goes to the press and moans about everything. So, older woman goes out with, you know, boy on television, and then finishes. Accept it. Get over yourself. It's a little bit like they've apparently signed up Colleen Nolan for pantomime. Well, her whole life... So, obviously, really not particularly bothered about hanging on to the marriage. It's a case of, let's get some money in for the pantomime. And so they reckon £300,000. I wouldn't be seeing that at all. That seems an awful lot of money, even for her. I mean, is she really that interesting? She's playing a fairy. Don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 27 minutes to six. Actually, I got a new spray the other day. Um, one of my fellow presenters, Jim, recommended a spray and I bought it. And it's, it's actually been a lot better. I haven't coughed as madly as I did before. It's amazing now. This must be week three. It's ridiculous. Uh, to all the men out there who are saying kidney stones are as bad as giving birth, let me tell you, I've had kidney stones and given birth and giving birth hurts more. Fact, says Lorna. Sue Ann says, can we have lots of fluffy, happy stuff? Not for this gruesome things. Yes, uh, anything to do with things like that. Uh, some uh, Ken says, as a fellow Aussie, fellow Aussie, please pass on my best wishes for your Aussie producer's recovery. Kidney stones are very painful. There you go. Did it in a language he understands. He says he should remember they breed them tough in Australia. I've survived all my medical problems over all these years, so we must be tough. I know, and you brought us neighbours, so brave as well. It's nice, isn't it, really? And uh, Fantastic Voyage, says Sean, is the movie you're trying to think of. They remade it in the late 80s. I think they called it Inner Space or something like that. That's where they miniaturised things, isn't it? And it, it sort of went through people's bloodstream or something. I don't know. Ridiculous. Richard says, I'm not surprised giving birth is painful. A tummy button really is not large enough to div- deliver the uh, the average baby. But they do them when they're very small, don't they? And then they sort of, and they sort of blow them up so you get a normal-sized baby. And depending on how, how much puff your particular nurse has got, depends on how big the baby is. So when they go, oh, we've got a £10 baby, you must have had a real heifer of a nurse to <laughs> blowing them up. Anyway, so what stories do we have in the papers today? What what stories can I tempt you with? Who used to say that? John Benson in Sale of the Century. What, what can we tempt them with today? Yes, beep! One penny buys you a set of crockery. Um, uh, John Tarode reveals what he really thinks of his co-host, uh, Mr Gregg. I don't know. I just like John Tarode. I don't like the other one. I'm sorry. I'm allowed not to. I'm allowed not to. I think that's sort of one of those things, isn't it, where you sort of say, why don't you like that person? You go, I don't know. I don't know. Smug? Supercilious? I don't know. I can't think of any logical reason why there's certain people I like and certain people I don't like. But don't worry, because we're all exactly the same. We all have people we like and people we don't like. That's why it makes me laugh when somebody writes in again, oh, so who are you? you know, to criticise other people. I thought, but wait a minute, you're doing exactly the same, but you're too dumb to realise you're doing exactly the same. That's what I do. The difference being, I get paid for doing it. You know, I'm the one pushing the wheelbarrow at the end of the month to the bank. Oh, more money, in it goes. But that's exactly the same thing, is it? So I don't like you, and you go, what are you criticising me for? You're doing the same thing. Except people are interested in what I say, but nobody's interested in what you say. Somebody wrote to me once and said, I've written you loads and loads of text messages. You've not read any of them out. Because they were boring and dull. 
boring and dull. Nobody does boring and dull on my programme. Not while I'm here, thank you very much indeed. When somebody else is here, you can do boring and dull. But while I'm here, we'll do, uh, we'll do what I want to do. <laughs> and that's why poor old Aussie producer is currently languishing uh, in hospital. But the good news is that in about, about four minutes' time, they'll be around waking everybody up on the ward. Tea, coffee, wake up, come on. Oh, God, I've just gone to bed. That's what it'll be. But anyway, listen, we, we look forward to seeing you, you know, back here soon. Well, we don't want to see you too soon. Um, no, we do. We missed you already, honestly. It's a shame you wouldn't FaceTime me. I don't know why you didn't want to FaceTime me. Irrespective, because you spoke to somebody else in one of the other studios, so you managed to speak to them, all right. So obviously it's just you and me. Uh, let's give George, say, the Sunday Mirror a send-off concert. Bob Geldof apparently is getting involved. Who cares? I know it seems a bit harsh and ridiculous, but, you know, better to give a, a send-off to him while he's alive, not a send-off to him after he's died and been buried. What's the point of that? Just an excuse to fill up television, isn't it, really? <coughs> Linda Nolan. Cancer scares me, but I still want romance. OK, I don't think anything's the matter with that. You can go for that one. Tom Jones says I needed therapy over my wife's death. Uh, they'd been married for a long, long time. I don't think they were married in the sense of married. She didn't spend a lot of time with him apart from t towards the end. She was with all her friends in, in Welsh Wales. She had a house over there and he was touring and uh, tiddling around all over the world. But they'd been married since they were 16, so it was kind of an arrangement. You know, I don't think anybody ever underestimated just what a Lothario Tom Jones is and has been throughout his life. And he's, he's very charming with it. And he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot, believe you me. So uh, he might... He might, uh, he might get married again. I don't personally think he will. I don't personally think he will. Lovely picture of Barbara Windsor. She's on holiday at the moment. Uh, she's in, um, oh, she's in Barbados. She's in Barbados. Uh, she played Peggy Mitchell for 22 years. And it's their 16th wedding anniversary. And um, they both look lovely together. So uh, she was reading a book, actually. She's 79. I mean, I can't believe it either. But uh, she was with Scott. And they, get on, they absolutely complement each other perfectly. It couldn't, it couldn't be more perfect. Couldn't be more perfect. So I'm glad that, glad that she's been to, uh, to Sandy Lane. Because that's owned by our boss's family. That's what they've got. They've got Sandy Lane. That's the place that everybody goes to at Christmas. It's the place everybody goes to. Because it's... Uh, so Simon Cowell goes there. Everybody goes there. It's very, very expensive. And it's very, very unique. Very, you can buy a nice little place there if you want a little, little beachfront place with a pool. That seven million should get that for you. Linda Nolan on dealing with her cancer. She says, I've got a rocky road ahead, but I want to find romance, fly first class to New York and play bingo with my sisters. Oh, good. That'll be nice, actually. And um, she lost her husband uh, a few years ago. I think he had uh, the same thing. Uh, also, Mark says, what next for Heavy D? Heavy D. Oh, that was that plank off the celebrity program, wasn't it? After losing his celebrity boxing match with Lewis the Boar. Shortest fight ever, 30 seconds. Right. Well, I mean, Lewis the Boar and Heavy D. I mean, career finished ages ago. Seriously, absolutely dreadful. And uh, apparently they're remaking Stephen King's It. Evil clowns would rather have root canal work. I've had root canal work. I hated it. If everybody writes into me and goes, I'm having root canal work, I try and avoid it because you can't you can't tell fibs about root canal work. Oh, it's horrible. It's just dreadful. Awful, awful, awful. Uh, Steve, they rarely break down with ultrasound. They tell you to pass them through, as you said, by wing. I know because I had two recently, six and seven millimetres. Wow. 
Gosh, that sounds slightly. That's not. Um, let's not. Let's not tell him about that. I don't think he wants to hear that sort of thing. Currently in his bed at the moment. I think he just wants to sort of come out and just be normal. Which of course he's never likely to be. Of course. Uh, Steve in the eighties. God, we've all had them, haven't we? I had a kidney stone. It was very painful. So much so I was crawling about on my hands and knees. He's like in this building. He does that in this building already. He does that here. After a day in hospital, they sent me home and said I'd probably pass it out naturally in my pee. And if I did, I'd save it and bring it in for analysis. What do I do that for? Alan in Staines. He said I fished it out of the uh, out of the toilet, taped it to a piece of card and took it to the hospital. He said it looked like a piece of broken glass, such as you'd get if your car windscreen shattered. I think he's had them before. I, I don't think he's not had them. So I think he's actually prepared for um, for what's what's uh, what's lying. Oh dear, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? Really? Right. Happy things. Happy things here. Stars and fans campaigned for a memorial concert, and uh, this is Bob Geldof. Oh God. And and apparently uh, Esther Ranson wants a tribute. What for? I'm a, listen. I'm a big fan of George Michael. What do you want a tribute for? If you're going to, if you, if you, if it's going to be a money-making thing, tell me it's a money-making thing, and I'll understand it. And um, they've got pictures of him with uh, with Faddy, and uh, then with Kenny. But then him and him and Kenny finished donkeys years ago. He went out with loads of people. As I say, George was uh, was uh, was very uh, busy in that department, put it that way. And uh, they're just waiting for the grave to settle before they then put more earth on the top, and then they'll eventually get some uh, sort of headstone, and and that'll be it. But it's still it's still not on the tour. As I've said before, if you take flowers up to Highgate, they will remove them. Okay, they don't. It's not some shrine or something like that. It's his private resting place. I'll probably end up with the same, I should imagine. You know, people will be leaving flowers and stuff like that, kidney stones and everything else left outside there. Uh, Relief for the McCanns. Apparently, the policeman's new book has been axed. So they say. Uh, I don't know whether or not it's it's true or not. This is uh, Amaral. This is the Portuguese ex-detective. He claimed the McCanns faked an abduction. It was never released in the UK and it sparked a large legal battle, which they lost. So I don't know what the outcome of that is. Uh, But um, he stopped the bid to gag him. Because you can't gag him. He's allowed to have an opinion. He's allowed to have an opinion. Um, Also, uh, all the yellow cars that turn up in the village. Uh, Little Peter was very happy. And I would be very happy as well. I'd advise everybody with a yellow car to go to this village. So they got more than 100 the other day. 100 cars turned up. I think basically just to say, listen, you can't vandalise somebody's car in a village because it spoils your picture. If you, if you don't want it to spoil your picture, lift something off the internet. Breaking news from the hospital. No ultrasound for Aussie boy. They're not doing ultrasound. Ooh, that sounds painful, doesn't it? Especially now you know it's like shards of glass. Perhaps I was a bit harsh to him. Perhaps I need to send money or flowers or something. Is he going to be in hospital long? Do we know if he's going to be there? I mean, will he be there till about eight o'clock this morning and they kick him out and they just go, keep drinking plenty of water until eventually something happens? And uh, and then we sort of, we wait and find out. I'm so sorry for him. Bless his heart, honestly. I mean, the only people in the world he's got to care for him are us. We're it. We are the friend. We are the friend because we do that. We look after, you know, lame sheep. And uh, little billy goats that have strayed from 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 their mummies, and we look after them, and so we 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 care, we care. We like we like to show our caring side, which is very sweet. So that's all you're getting, okay, Mike? No more. Not quite enough this morning. My God, if you're not better by six o'clock, I'd give up. It's ridiculous, dragging it out. Honestly, if it was something serious. Uh, what else we got? We got uh, Marco Pierre White's son. 
Uh, I've given up drugs. Couldn't care less, matey. Really couldn't care less. You were boring first time round. You're even more boring second time round. Uh, Billy Piper says, I'll quit London after Brexit. She won't. She won't. And um, Harry Styles has been uh, swapping drinking for workouts. Because he's another one who's got an album out, hasn't he? Or a single or something like that. They've all got them. Except Niles very wisely decided not to release his just yet. I think there's not, there's not really much point in doing that. He, he says he wants money. Does he? They can't want money. They must be, like, super loaded. Oh, Aussie boy wants money. Oh, right, OK. I'll, 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 send, you, I'll send you some money in a cab, shall I? How much do you need? You no, know, just use my, my, my credit card. I'll tell you, anyth- any money you need for anything, you know, if you can get extra drink or something for a few extra pounds or shillings, you let... He's asked for a hundred, has he? Whistle away, whistle away. Not happening. No, I'll, I'll seriously, if you need money for anything like drinks in there, <laughs> you're not getting it. <laughs> just have to go dry. Oh, it'll pass through with lots of water. That's the whole idea, isn't it? Presumably. Ah, that's why. Drink lots and lots of water eventually. But they must be able to induce that, mustn't they? They must be, because they, they, they can give you a water tablet, which will make you wee for the country. So that would be a thing. I know that they give that to a lot of women on diets. I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's a wa- we used to call it a water tablet. Uh, diversity, our touring. Do you know, could you really sit there and watch a whole show with people dancing and forming? No, not really. Me neither. But uh, they're doing little things. The Australian Pink, Pink Floyd show. Us, us and them, them, them. <laughs> That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Yes, on and on. It's just another brick in the wall. <laughs> oh, Mike's sitting there trying to smile but can't through the pain. Uh, Pete Tong is uh, is touring as well. And the Heritage Orchestra. Uh, the only one that's sold out is London The O2. Uh, ABC with uh, Kid Creole and his coconuts. Good God, I know. I mean, how, how old are they now? And Calabro are touring as well. They're a four-piece. One of them was... They used to be very, very pretty, Calabro, didn't they? And then they sort of... One of them went off the rails a bit. The one who's got, I think, piercings and things like that. I'm sorry, I think you have to stick to a format. The format has... Oh, good Lord. Uh, they've got a film and comic uh, collectomania thing going on up in Birmingham. It's where they get loads of people for you to go and get their autographs, like Frank Bruno. They go, boxing champion. I'm sorry, I don't want to be rude about it. Frank Bruno was only ever pitched against people who they dug up from cemeteries or got them out of care homes. There was no, the only time he was ever up against somebody of any note was Mike Tyson, who flattened him in Vegas in a matter of seconds. Pele's going to be there. How old's he now? Pele, Pele must be 70s. Also, um, Helen Slater. She was Supergirl. Uh, John Barrowman, Jimmy White... Jeff Hurst and Ben Browder from Stargate. Pele 76. But they go there and what they do is they, they charge for their autograph and a photo. So they'll sit there at a table and you go and put your arm around them. And uh, you have a picture taken. It's 25 quid or 20 quid or something. So you can increase them into your collection, which is good. The story I omitted to mention on the front of The Sun, I'll come round to in a moment. Because it is so tacky. But in keeping with everything she's ever done, uh, this one is really tacky. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everyone. They still haven't decided whether or not the Oxford-Cambridge boat race is going ahead because they found um, an unexploded World War II bomb uh, found near the starting line. Well, it must have been there for years. And they've, they've never found it in previous years. Now they found it. So, in other words, it's been run for years and years and years and years. Now, this year, they find it and they go, oh, we're not sure it's going to run. Well, they managed to run it every other blooming year, didn't they? Police were called in when the bomb was spotted on the north side of Putney Bridge by somebody using the river. 
That'll be somebody on a boat, I'm guessing. Unless Jesus has come back and started walking across the river or dynamo. But uh, it was yards from the event's start line and believed to be submerged. Well, it must have been there for ages. Ages and ages. The men's event starts at 5.35 after the women's race. In its 72nd year, the boat race spokesman said any decision about changes, the event will be made with the police. They're trying to drum up some interest, aren't they? That's what they're trying... Because most people have got the, oh, the Oxford Cambridge... But to be honest with you, I didn't even know it was, it was back on again. There'd been nothing... You don't read anything in the papers about it because it's just a race that goes on between two colleges, Oxford and Cambridge. Most of the crews are American. Nothing at all to do with uh, this country. And they just do it. And I forget who wins the most. Is it Oxford? Oxford... Odds on favourite to win. I had, a, I, had a, I was going to do a bet actually on Oxford, fifty quid to win. But I don't know what what they're offering in the odds. Probably very lower. There's only two, isn't it? Really. So I don't know what you'd be particularly looking at here. So if I was going to put in, you know, fifty quid to win, and uh, what would I be getting? Three to. It's not worth it, is it? Three to one on. What does that mean? I get three quid back for every pound I put on. Or was the other way round? <laughs> oh right. Uh, Oh, right. If it's three quid, profits a pound. Not worth bothering, actually. I'll keep, I'll keep the money in my piggy bank. So much better. But uh, So it's been there since World War II. And now all of a sudden they're going, uh, well, we're not sure if we're going to run the race. Of course you're going to run the race. Don't be so silly. Of course you're... Well, you think they're actually going to cancel it? All those people who booked pitches along the banks of the, the Thames, all the, all the film crews out there who are going to be filming it, all the people waiting for one of the crews to sink. I mean, come on. You know, it was, uh, it, it'll be one of those things. They're not going to risk that. What, somebody, what about the man who's got the hot dog concessions and people selling hamburgers and people selling drinks and everything else? What, you're just going to go terribly sorry, unexploded bomb? They're going to when did that come down? Oh, years ago. Apparently, uh, Cuthbert of Sheldon, as we know, now doesn't exist. Uh, a Scarlet was really good on Saturday Night Takeaway. Was she on it? I didn't even notice she was on there. Would it be possible to invite her on to In Conversation? No, never. No, I don't do talentless people. I really don't. I'm sorry. I think the programme is dull, very, very dull. And then I couldn't work out as well. I was I was watching Saturday Night Takeaway and I'm very good at watching television. I've been doing it for over, well, a number of years. And um, and I was thinking to myself, what's interesting about the programme? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Doesn't that sound very odd? That sounds very, very odd that you would sort of watch something. And then I thought, and there was one bit they go, who's going to win the ads? Well, it's certainly not any one of us. It's, it's somebody who's sitting in the audience and a very expensive hand drops on and go, it's you, woman with enormous bottom. Come on, you come down, you can win the adverts. And, uh, and then they give it to somebody else as well. And I think, what's interesting about that? It's another competition. You might as well say, let's do bingo numbers or something. Equally as unexciting. Equally as unexciting. So the story on the front page of The Sun this morning, she's desperately sad, she's desperately attention-seeking, she's desperately talentless. Yes, Lady V... This is old Victoria Hervey. Uh, not a lady at all, in fact, really. Nowhere near a lady. Mother used to be a secretary. There's no lineage within this uh, family at all. Mother was a secretary in a big posh house, ended up marrying the bloke who owned it. And so, consequently, you've got Lady Victoria Hervey, who was the bore of the century at uh, ages and ages ago. She used to pop up at every party. Now she's an old woman. But uh, apparently she had a threesome with Mel B and her hubby, Stephen Belafonte. Tacky, tacky, tacky. I don't really know why we'd be remotely interested in this at all. But uh, there's a two-page uh, spread in the paper today. And uh, she reveals threesome with Mel and Hubby. And they've got a picture of her. To, they, they say, a reality TV star. No. 
a nobody, an absolute nobody, desperately uninteresting, desperately bland, desperately beige, desperately nothing at all. So they've got a picture of her. Uh, this is in 2013 with Bruno Tonioli. What he was doing there, God alone knows. Must be some reason. Perhaps she did dancing with the has-beens. I don't know. She might have done. He jumped on top. She kissed me. I was asked to lie on bed. It started with stroking. And so it goes on. How sad your life must be. How talentless you must be to have to cling on to something as daft as that. Really, really, really. Uh, the other story, which was in the uh, the papers as well today. Fiend team, Pedo Johnson, skipper's jail pervert side. So we turn inside and discover Helen Flanagan doing another one of her famous... Oh, look, here's me on a beach with the photographer, who's taken a picture of me again. And apparently she's in Dubai. Hardly works, does she, nowadays? She just turns up with the photographer. They take a picture. They offer it to the newspapers. They put it in and go, oh, look, Helen Flanagan, you know, in Dubai. Whoopie-doo. Dullsville, Dullsville. And uh, loose women... Colleen Nolan bagged a massive panto pay deal for eight weeks' work, 300,000 quid. She's going to be at the Bradford Alhambra Theatre's production of Cinderella. They believe she's a big name and would get bums on seats, so they consider the money well spent. Why? Why would you consider her being well spent? Apparently, Steve McFadden was Panto's biggest earner in 2011, £200,000 for the role of Captain Hook in Peter Pan. Dame Joan Collins is said to have got 40000 a week. But uh, it's thought that Colleen who will star alongside her son, Shane Nolan, and Billy Pierce will limit her appearances on Loose Women. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. So little Shane, her son, doesn't have a girlfriend at the moment, and Billy Pierce, who's a stalwart of uh, Panto. You'll know Billy Pierce if you, um, if you go onto YouTube. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it a bit like normal wisdom kind of thing? He's a bit northern comic. He's not really known down south enough. You'd have seen him on various television programmes, but he, you know, he's well-known in, well in, in theatre terms. Well-known. And uh, Colleen revealed her devastation at Linda's incurable cancer diagnosis. But uh, now, of course, it's all steam ahead because she's doing panto. Life moves on in show business. Was it ever thus, ladies and gentlemen? Was it ever thus? Uh, the easy life inside. Uh, this is uh, an insult to victims, say a lot of people, because when they go inside nowadays, they just—it's just a bit of a joke. Let's let's play football. Uh, what? what uh, tea now? Okay, we're going in for food, and then we'll have a shower, and then we'll watch television ourselves. Lovely. Uh, Brian says I missed listening to you just now, but I will podcast your show later. We're out and about in Hong Kong, uh, heading to the Peak, and having lunch there since it's my birthday. He says, do you want me to bring anything home? No, I have everything from Hong Kong, thank you. There's nothing that uh, they sell in Hong Kong that uh, I can't get myself through Amazon. So I'm fine. Uh, also today... Um, wait a minute, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to old Victoria Hervey. Poor person, honestly. Don't feel sorry for her, honestly. Perhaps she thinks it's really clever, that. Perhaps she thinks it's really clever. It's like, you know, the bloke who used to be Jordan's makeup artist... You don't hear anything from him and his boyfriend now, do you? They were sort of... Uh, I mean, I remember bumping into them once outside... Where was it? Patisserie Valerie. And he said to me, he said, if you've got anything to say to us, say it to our faces. I said, I've got nothing to say to you. <laughs> I've got nothing to say to you. You know, he, he wrote a book. They had their five seconds of fame. It's all finished now. It's finished, washed up. You know, one, one does things with MDF and the other one doesn't. And that's all I can tell you. But uh, no, they, they were sort of Jordan's friends and she mentioned them. And, and then she didn't mention them. And it all went a bit sort of quiet. That's the trouble with show business. It's a little, little bit fickle. A bit like Becky Vardy. Why don't you just stay indoors more, darling? OK, stay indoors more. We're a bit bored with you. I'm not interested in you. Uh, she's a soccer wag, defies the hate mob to show off her post-baby body. It's showing off, dear. Nobody's interested in you, OK? It's got nothing to do with the hate mob. It's a case of, you know, what do you think you're doing? 
Why don't you just sort of try and be an adult? It's this, this ridiculous scenario that people have to have attention on television. They have to be in the newspapers. They have to be on Twitter. They have to be, and then the moment it backfires on them, they start bleating like little lambs. Nick Ferrari is doing one of the columns in the uh, paper today. Uh, Leicester City are disillusioned with Jamie Vardy and will sell him in the summer. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. That'll be the best thing that's ever happened. Get rid of them. Perhaps she'll disappear off abroad. But then, unfortunately, old um, old Watsik came back again, didn't she? Just when we thought we'd got rid of her completely. Christine Bleakley and that funny little husband of hers, old lamps. You know, we thought they'd disappeared forever. But no, back they come again. Pictured, he looks as bored as anything. Because once they finish playing these people, what do they do? They don't do anything. They have to go and sit in Primrose Hill, hoping a photographer goes past and takes their picture and goes, oh, look, Christine Bleakley. And she's going, I can't believe it, there's a photographer. And all that. Completely wrong accent there. I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> look who's popped in to meet Pippa's in-laws. Yes, William, looking very studious with his glasses. And old Spencer Matthews turned up as well, like the proverbial bad penny. Uh, Brooklyn Beckham broke my heart, says Talia Storm. Apparently she went out with him for 18 months. Kept that one quiet, darling, didn't you? She says he's an airhead. Uh, which TV veteran has joined Albert Square? Uh, the Squaddies facing jail over the sex-shaming website. Uh, the Axe Looms for, uh, for the coach, Gavin. This is Gavin from, is it The Voice? From The Voice. Uh, they think they might be getting rid of him. Nigel Martin-Smith writing a book. Prince Charles is claimed to have uh, seen a shrink... And uh, relief for the McCanns, as that copper's new book is said to be axed, or is it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday morning, the 2nd of April. We've had the pinch and a punch the first day of the month. We've had the April Fool jokes, and now we can get down to the business, Uh, which is good, I suppose. Uh, Popping in to meet Pippa's in-laws. Yes, it's it's the sister, and uh, and Prince William as well. So that's interesting. Plus, they also got to meet Spencer Matthews, that waste of space in the family. So there you go. You can't have everything, can you? It'll be embarrassing. Uh, Which TV veteran has joined Albert Square? I couldn't be more delighted. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. Uh, Gloria Hunniford says, the fraudsters who conned me out of £120,000 proof nobody's safe. I agree. I think if somebody is going to take your money, they're going to take your money. I mean, I'm very, I'm very careful. I don't have a branch I go into. All of my banking is done Online, I don't think I've needed to go into the bank um, 12 years, 15 years. In fact, I can't remember. I used to go into my branch. Uh, Asia, I would go out for lunch with the with the bank manager uh, and I took him out for lunch a few times. And uh, then a friend of mine started looking after the account. I don't need to go anywhere. It's all done uh, on the Internet so we can we can keep keep uh, track on it. Keep track on it. And uh, if anything untoward happens, you know, then we know about it immediately. But uh, this is somebody who walked in pretending to be Gloria Hunniford. And somebody in the branch claimed they didn't know what Gloria Hunniford looked like. She's been on television for donkey's years. I couldn't believe it at all. Uh, Marco Pierre White's son says, I've given up drugs. Couldn't care less. Complete waste of space on television. And, uh, and a no, no talented, no hoper. Uh, One Direction's £50,000 hairstyle. This is, this is what they, they put through. This is what it costs for them to look coiffured and everything else. But I just think that in a few years' time, they're all just going to look fat and bloated like everybody goes. There's, there's no way you go through your life looking really, really good-looking. You know, even pictures in the paper on Saturday had pictures of Brad Pitt. They go, oh, look how gaunt he looks. And so he loses weight. I mean, I'm, I'm determined not to lose weight because I don't want to look pale. And people go, oh, looks a bit ill, doesn't he, really? You know, you go, but actually, I'm really fit. If I took my shirt off, I've got a fantastic body. And then you think, no, thank you very much indeed. I watched a programme that made me cry. Uh, on YouTube, 
and it's called, in America, What Would You Do? And the scenario was actually quite simple. On this particular week, and they, they ran it, I think, over a few weeks, the scene is in a supermarket in America, a big supermarket, and you've got a guy standing there, and he's an army veteran. Uh, well, he's, he's sort of got um, a combat jacket on, and, um, and he's there at the till, and he's bought some diapers and some baby food and some things like that. And it's hosted by this guy who, who looks like he should be running a supermarket as opposed to hosting a television programme. And, and he goes to the counter and, and the woman scans it. There's people behind him. And, and he goes, I haven't got enough money. Um, I'll put some of the items back again. And so the woman on the till, who's an actor as well, bearing in mind the soldier is an actor and the person on the till is an actor. And so she said, are you, are you a veteran? And he goes, yes, ma'am. Because they're very polite, Americans. They're very polite. And so she said, well, what, what would you like to put back? He said, well, I don't have... This is the one here. This is, this is the... Sorry, we're, just, we're watching it as well. Ryan's an actor and Lorraine works on the till. And the, the, the dilemma is, what would you do? What would you do if you're confronted by a veteran, somebody who can't afford something like 30-odd dollars? What would you do? Would you be that kind-hearted Samaritan and say, listen, I'll get that? This woman does. Gets in line. Which she actually gets in line. Army, did 10 years. Yay. This is her talking. Oh, yay! <laughs> Were you in the Army as well? No, I just had a son that retired. I had another grandson. Now, bearing in mind, the soldier's the, the actor. What will she do when our veteran's credit card is rejected? I'm sorry, sir, it's declined. I mean... Do you have cash? Yeah. The woman standing yeah, behind him is now going... He looks for his cash, but it becomes She doesn't know what to do, He's short. but she makes that a decision. Fast, doesn't it? Can you put the beer back, please? I don't need that. That's so, beer's gone back. That's not on my list. Even with the beer off his tab, he doesn't have the money for that list of items for his baby at home. How much are you short now? There He's short $8. I'll take it. There you go. Let's Look at it. that. Yeah. See? Not the beer. That's too generous. Not the beer. I'll, I'll she wouldn't give him the beer. And then well, it turns out... Diapers. Linda insists he she runs on that list. one of those food things. Look, she says, do you live here? And that's not all. I run a food pantry up here on Goliad. Do you get a lot of military? It's really sad we because shouldn't. she says, yes, we do get a lot of military. We shouldn't. We'll and she said to him, you come see me, I'll look Time after you. Because she believes he's genuine. Woman. And then they actually tell her that he was an actor. And, uh, and even though he had actually been in, in the military. And it's such an interesting thing. It's that they, they've done it in this country, but I think it might be ripped off in Americans, where there's 20 quid on the floor and you pick it up. Do you look around and go, oh, that's mine? Or do you go, excuse me, did you just drop this? You know, would, would you be honest and give it back? But in this particular case, it's a veteran. And the Americans treat their veterans differently. You know, they, they hold them in much higher esteem. We should do exactly... The only time you'll ever see... This, this amazing outpouring to the military is at the Festival of Remembrance. I keep telling you this year in, year out. If you can get a ticket for it, go see it. And so she then coughs up. And they have various other people. There's an old lady who pops up later on in the, in the series. And she doesn't have enough money for her own stuff. But she finds $3 to help him out. And I thought, what a great premise. Any programme that makes me cry... You know, I think it's, mind you, I cry at bagpipes. Seriously. I, I actually cried the producer and his... And his um, what do they call them? What are those stones he's got, the producer? Kidney stones. I was thinking of gallstones. Gallstones, I think you shatter. I'm sure that gallstones you shatter. But he's, he's only got kidney stones. 
I don't know. Listen, listen, he's he's sitting there waiting for something to happen. He's just been told drink water. Because I don't know if they can obviously give you something to induce it. But they're not going to. They've decided they're not going to. They, they've obviously heard about him before on the programme. They decide, Although, I tell you, if they don't treat him properly, we'll have to me to deal with. The Steve Allen will be coming down immediately. Do you remember seeing a... I told you about a programme on the television once. It's, it's called The Vet on the Hill. It's set in Richmond and he's got little practice in St Margaret's. And his little doggy swallowed a teat off the end of a baby's thing. And he gave him an injection. The injection made him sick. It's... It, it's obviously designed to sort of make them cough up stuff that's not supposed to be in their tummies. And literally within about a minute, they said, how long will it take to act? And he said, oh, about a minute. And sure enough, within a minute, the dog was coughing up and it coughed up this little thing. There you go. There you go. Colleen appeals to the shopping channel types. What are you saying? I love the shopping channels. I'm forever buying things on the shopping channels. I've discovered on the shopping channel they're doing that Karcher window vacuum cheaper than Costco are doing it. Cheaper than Costco. That's the first time ever. First time ever. Uh, plus the fugitive mother. This is the woman, and I, I, uh, I hate reading stories like this. This is um, a mother suspected of abducting her two young sons after they were ordered to be taken from her, poses a risk of harm to the children. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. The Nottingham family court warning came as police yesterday hunted Samantha Baldwin and Louis Madge, who's nine, and Dylan Madge, who's six. She vanished on Monday... Now, this is quite a long time for a family to be missing. The police are treating it as abduction. I don't know how mother and two children vanish. Um, they, she was ordered to, uh, to give up the children by the family court. She decided, and we've had these, these scenarios before, and they don't seem to end in a, in a great way, because how do you just lose a mother and two children? I don't want to think of the worst thing happening, but they think that she is a risk to the children. And that's why they've now put out a, an all-alerts point to B&B owners, hotel owners, caravan, parks, all sorts of places on the lookout for these uh, for these trio. They think she might have altered her appearance or, God forbid, even their appearance. They've got pictures of her on CCTV. Where would you go? You've been ordered by a court to do something. Uh, they could be being harboured by somebody. Uh, they could be staying under another name, but you're going to know, aren't you? It's a woman and two children. It's it's not not the most common thing. So we'll wait and see. I mean, they, they want to keep an open mind on it. I'm also keeping an open mind, but at the same time, I'm slightly disturbed, slightly disturbed by it. So now they're looking a bit, uh, a bit more closely. Uh, plus, we're also waiting to see what they're going to do for the boat race, uh, even though this World War II, II unexploded bomb has been there since World War II. Uh, which is how many years ago now? Well, quite a few, put it that way. And they've managed to run the boat race every year. For some reason this year, they're now sort of squawking up and down and getting all uh, all excited by going, well, we don't know if we're going to run the boat race. Of course you'll run it. Why don't I just move it? But you've managed to run it every year at this at this place. I don't see why all of a sudden now it becomes uh, a little bit, little bit more difficult. Uh, there's a picture of a model in the paper today. She's called Ireland Baldwin. She's the daughter of Kim Basinger, and Alec Baldwin. Unfortunately, she's ruined her body completely. She's got cheap tatty tattoos all over her arms. So there you go, dear. That's your career sealed now. Uh, also, um, what's this other one? Oh, yes. A t this is an odd one. A teacher. A teacher, teacher, teacher. Who sent a picture of his willy and sex, test to fe sex text to female colleagues at the school he was at has kept his job. 
I mean, I thought that would have been instant dismissal, but Duncan Fielding, vice-principal of two special, special schools, sent sex messages to three other staff to a disciplinary panel sitting in Coventry found him guilty of sexually motivated, unacceptable behaviour, but cleared him of inappropriate touching. Oh, so that's OK, then. You can keep your job, apparently, by sending pictures of your parts. Uh, because the finding was punishment enough, and a classroom ban would deprive pupils of his strong skills. Great. None as dumb as there really are some of these schools out there. They go, oh, it's OK to send pictures of you, Willie. But uh, luckily you didn't touch anybody inappropriately. Whew, thank God for that. Uh, yellow, is it OAP you're looking for? Hundreds of yellow cars. I don't know who organised it, but I thought it was quite inspired, actually. Widower Pitu now has a grey car, says I'm overwhelmed. There was Lamborghinis, Ferraris, everything. It all turned out. I hope the person who actually damaged Peter's car in the first place saw it, and they all went to you, which is good, isn't it? Fruit smoothies, more sugar than pop. I've told you before, don't think that fruit smoothies are terribly healthy for you. They're not. I can't have them. I'm a diabetic. Raving. And, um, and I, I wouldn't have anything like a fruit smoothie. But if you look at, um, this is how many teaspoons of sugar, okay, in a Red Bull. Red Bull, 2.75 teaspoonfuls of sugar. A Coca-Cola, 2.75 teaspoons of sugar in a Coca-Cola. Normal Coca-Cola, okay. Innocent tropical smoothie. You go, oh, that's healthy. Three spoons of sugar, three teaspoonfuls of sugar. Happy monkey, 3.25 teaspoonfuls of sugar. Um... IRN Brew, 2.5 teaspoons. Dr Pepper, 1.75. Innocent for kids, pineapple, apple, carrot. See, you go, oh, that must be really good. Pineapple, apple, carrot. Joking, of course. 2.5 teaspoons of sugar in it. Pret-a-Manger's Vitamin Volcano Smoothie. 2.75 teaspoons of sugar. Uh, Sainsbury's Apple Juice. Apple Juice. 2.25 teaspoons of sugar. I've told you, in... In fruit, it's fructose, and it's really bad for you. I'm not saying that any of these uh, drinks are healthy for you, but don't believe all the old codswallop you see on the table. They go, oh, fruit smoothies, your family will be able to enjoy these all the day. And you've got two people sitting there. They're basically flogging you, this Nutribullet or any one of a number of other machines that mash up, and then they strain it. And it's really good for you. The hell it is! You watch, years to come, they'll be going, of course, you never should have bought one of these things. They now say it's the most bought item in the kitchen before the toaster. The toaster has now moved into second place. Because apparently it's wrong. I said, we had a, an artisan market. How posh are we in Kingston? And I knew it was artisan because they had loaves of bread at four pounds. So I think it's, it's obviously artisan. I, didn't, I, didn't, I just thought it was basically taking the... Anyway, and um, so a loaf of bread, four pounds. And people were snapping it up. Oh, we'd, we'd eat artisan in our house. Do you really? For that read, more money than sense. They've probably got a Nutribullet as well, I should imagine. Any one of a number of gimmicks in the kitchen. Although I did see something a while ago. It cropped up on an antiques roadshow. And it was a thing for squeezing juice out of lemons. You put it into the fruit. It was metal. Because I've got the plastic version called a juice tap. And and I watched the guy demonstrating it in Brighton years ago. I went down with a friend of mine for the day. And we were just standing there watching for the best part of 40 minutes. As this bloke demonstrated a fruit, fruit tap. And you screw it, plastic, into the top of fruit... Uh, something like uh, a lemon or an orange, and you walk your fingers around it. Uh, it looks like... Uh, uh, oh, no, which one does it look like? I call it a juice tap, but, of course, all the pictures coming up on the internet are of taps. It's a little plastic thing, and you screw it into the fruit. Um, 
I don't know what else you'd call it apart from a juice tap. Uh, wait a minute, juice... Let's have a quick look here. Uh, juice screw. Yeah, well, in fact, there you go. The second one, there you go, there you go, with, with the lemon on it. These are oh, interesting. They call it a trumpet citrus juicer. And what you do is you screw it into the fruit and then you walk your fingers round and the little juice thing fills up with the juice. OK, the trick is... And the bloke who was demonstrating it, I, I, when I first bought it, I couldn't get any juice out of it at all. What you've got to do is, as you walk your fingers round, you're pushing. But he made it look effortless. He just push, 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 because a trumpet juicer. And uh, I thought it was brilliant, because you can, you can also core apples and all sorts of things with it. And they do it in metal now, do they? I might have to buy one again. It was, it was the most fun you could have. It was walking your... But if you're thinking of orange juice, you'll take forever to make a glass... He had a little tiny glass, which was going, da, 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 pouring it in. It was all very clever. And, uh, and he was selling these things. I think it was like two for a quid. They must have cost him about 100 for a pound, I should imagine. But uh, I ended up buying. First time I've ever watched somebody demonstrate something years ago. And, uh, and I decided to buy it. Fantastic. There you go. We've got a trumpet juicer. Get one. I promise you it'll change. But, I mean, don't, don't think you just put it in there and the juice falls out. You've got to push with your fingers. Uh, have you seen the Cheshire Housewives? What a common bunch they are. Oh, dear, honestly. Talk about Chav City. Ghastly. Ghastly. At least the Americans have got far more class. Still Chavs, but um, over here, the uh, the Housewives of Cheshire. Oh, uh, phony ones. Esther and fiancé Rob Lloyd, who has since been axed from the show uh, because she turns out to have been married and he's not her fiancé at all. And then the other two are arguing. But I watched a clip on the telly the other day. I never liked the Housewives of Cheshire because they did look like chavs. They were all sort of, yeah, what? A bit like that. It's a bit like listening to Essex where they've all got the most peculiar, stupid voices. Seriously, I don't think there's anybody who's got the stupidest voices that I've ever heard in, uh, in, in Towie. I mean, they are, they're just children. So I said to him, like, you know, the other day, you remember when they actually put Amy Childs? On Loose Women. I mean, it was difficult to tell who was more infantile, the panel, or Amy Childs. I mean, what was the point of putting her on there? It didn't do anything at all. However, I did find somebody's column in the paper earlier on today. And I think it might have been Nick Ferrari. Have I, have I missed, a, I've missed another? Oh, dear, honestly. In between saying a proper goodbye to George. Bye. Uh, trying to find Nick Ferrari's column. I will find it. Because it's very interesting, actually. Because I think it will appeal to James O'Brien. And I'll tell you why in a minute. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 23 minutes past six. But it's Sunday morning and it's the opportunity, probably the only one you get, that you can lie in bed and go, do you know, I'm not doing anything today. I don't want to do anything. I really, really don't want to do anything. I might go and pick daffodils in Regent's Park or something later, get myself into trouble. Uh, Nick Ferrari's doing a column in the Sunday Express for today. And he says, Remona in chief, Lily Allen didn't disappoint. This self-styled guardian of the nation's conscience who has shown herself to have as much grip on history as Gordon Brown had on governance, has decided that anybody who voted Brexit is responsible for everything, from lost jobs to bankruptcy and factory closures to lengthy NHS waiting lists. Not understanding that we're actually still in the EU, she said the blame started from last week. This tiresome former pop singer never misses a chance to moan. While that is, of course, her privilege, her response to critics who questioned her ignorant doom-mongering says a lot. I can live off my royalties comfortably if nobody ever bought an album of mine again. Thank goodness, writes Nick Ferrari, she's prepared for the inevitable. 
I agree as well. She's very tiresome. She sort of seems to think she knows what she's talking about. She's just a little popsicle star. Just a little popsicle star. I'm going to drive an eco-friendly car. No, she isn't. I'm going to take in a refugee. No, she didn't. It's just basically balderdash. Load of old codswallop. Mind you, I was listening earlier on, and I thought slightly biased with Matt, when he was talking about uh, David Cameron, who was lining his pockets doing all these uh, these lucrative after-dinner speeches. Well, the American uh, speech circuit is huge. It's worth an awful lot of money, an awful lot of money. And uh, people can get 50,000, 100,000 ta- a time talking to business. And he was sort of saying, you know, how bad it was and all this. And I think, but wait a minute, Tony Blair's been lining his pockets for years doing the after-dinner speech circuit, like Margaret Thatcher did as well. But uh, Tony Blair did it. How many houses is he up to now? Old uh, champagne socialist Tony Blair, what is it, 16 houses? His wife loses out a short while ago. She bought one for 2.75 million and somebody eclipsed her. I thought about time too. She was going to buy it for her daughter. I mean, how much money does this family generate? Answer, as much as he can, as much as he can. Uh, David Beckham out in the woods. Uh, This is in Hyde Park. Uh, David Beckham out with his son and luckily a photographer to take a picture of them. So that's lovely, isn't it? He went out with Cruz. Dave does his sort of flat cap, I'm not really working kind of picture. You know, each name of the family now has been registered as a, as a business interest. Uh, also, porno star breaks her silence on her raunchy night flight with Nigel. Embarrassing. What do you do for a living, darling? Hooker and porno star. Fantastic. That's brilliant, isn't it? That's, that's real class, real class stuff. I wouldn't mind, but it's always the ugly ones. <laughs> it's never the, never the really, really gorgeous ones. Faddy and Kenny united in grief. Uh, George's heartbroken lover's hug at funeral. Well, because Faddy was with George up until the moment he died. And, uh, and that's why. Uh, they had um, a tribute uh, with all sorts of people. Uh, George has been laid to rest. Uh, his mum died of cancer in '97. Uh, and now there's metal sheeting surrounding the grave, which we know that. And uh, Melanie's been in touch with Faddy and spoken to him about the funeral. He and Kenny both shared their lives with George and had lots in common. They're both grieving and were looking out for each other. Yes. So let's wait and see. They say that Melanie is executor of George's will, expected to be read this week. She could receive up to 50 million. Uh, his uh, elder sister, Yoda, is also expected to receive a large sum. <coughs> I think he might surprise people, actually. I think he might surprise people and give loads and loads to to charity. Elton John has poured praise on Ed Sheeran, saying he's got a lot of balls. Uh, Elton spoke of his pride at helping to manage Ed, saying there are few as talented as his generation. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's, he's not take that off. He's stopped them getting to number one. Uh, and he's done it again. It's it's the way the charts are compiled now. Who's the who's the man, incidentally, who's going into EastEnders? Yes, it's Christopher Timothy. Christopher Timothy is 76. Now, I talked to him a short while ago. He was going out on tour for something. And I thought, it's about time we saw more of this actor on television. So I'm delighted that he's going into EastEnders later this spring. Uh, you know that... Uh, uh, Lisa Faulkner is also... You don't see her until the end of the month, but she's already recording. I was telling her, actually, something she didn't know. I said, you know, they've got greenhouses on the set where they grow plants on ahead of time because they're filming six weeks back. So what you're seeing, when you see daffodils, they were grown weeks ago, weeks and weeks ago, before we had... Da- they, they bring them all on. She didn't know that at all. But uh, Christopher Timothy has, uh, has said he's joining... Uh, when he was in All Creatures Great and Small, he played uh, Ted Murray in the BBC Soap. His wife, Joyce, we played by Maggie Steed. Oh, crikey, how wonderful. 
They've been married for nearly 60 years. They know Dot Branning and a rehouse from a nearby estate. So there'll be a breath of fresh air. Good. I like to see, uh, because I think that the only other programme that did that um, was Last of the Summer Wine, which gave actors who were of a certain age uh, an opportunity to uh, to sort of get back into the business. And so I'm delighted that EastEnders puts people like that. At 70, he doesn't look it. I tell you, you'll see him. He looks exactly the same. He hasn't aged one iota, really. So I'll very much look forward to seeing him uh, in EastEnders and her as well, which I think will be fantastic. Uh, Trouble die drove Charles to therapy. Oh, give it up for God's sake, honestly. It's just so awful. Also, a rift. This is Corrie McKeague's dad's rift with family. Still nothing. They've searched the rubbish dump. They can't find anything at all. So what's going on there? We've got no idea. Posh is having a laugh. Says uh, says Rachel Bletchley writing uh, today. She says, well, I never. Victoria Beckham has a sense of humour. No, no, not really. I've noticed that one thing she's tried to do, she's tried to, is sort of make herself sound a little bit refined. But unfortunately, she's common as muck. And when she was on Corden's show, uh, very common, they say she never smiled in public because she has a responsibility to the fashion community, if only they thought the same. So when she rocked up in Los Angeles wearing a T-shirt, the picture got pinged around the world... And uh, and so they now say, oh, because she's done this, it shows she's got a sense of humour. No, she wanted to appear on the show because she's desperate to plug her stuff. And she knows that Corden's got the right programme for it. So, I mean, I didn't see it as anything more than just a bit more shameless publicity. Seriously, I didn't see anything at all. Uh, also here, monks in Bristol have discovered a cookery book from 1793 that explains how to make chicken curry. How wonderful. How wonderful. I mean, how clever. How clever. I still like that thing the other day. Oh, they found a chariot uh, in a in a car park kind of thing, I think. Uh, also, Susie Quattro. Actually, who was I talking to the other day? He was going to interview. Oh, it was my friend Tony downstairs. He said, I'm talking to, to Susie Quattro later on. Now, I don't know how old Susie Quattro is, um, but I'm assuming she's sort of... She must be in her middle 60s, I would think. Something like that, isn't she, Susie Quattro? I interviewed her a long, long time ago. And... Um, 66, is she? Actually, the funny thing is, isn't it amazing, ladies and gentlemen? 66 doesn't, doesn't seem like, um, doesn't seem old anymore, does it? 66 seems, seems sort of young, as I head towards it, screaming. <laughs> oh, well, honestly, somebody's got to laugh, haven't they? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to your Sunday morning. Andrew Castle's going to be with you at 7 o'clock this morning, 25 to 7 at the time. I was just watching Sky News, actually. I was just sort of checking to see if anything's, uh, anything's going on. And we love watching Steve Dixon over the weekend. We love Steve Dixon. Because uh, you remember it was the, was the other week when they sent him out to stand on the little green which is opposite the Houses of Parliament. They were all doing their bits down there. And the wind got up and poor Steve Dixon's hair went to pieces. It was absolutely... It was all over the place. And you could see that he wasn't very happy about it. So anyway, they then cut to something. When they go back, Steve Dixon's hair has been combed within an inch of its life and lacquered. It did not move. They could have put, seriously, one of those blast machines on him and his hair would not have moved. Anyway, this morning I'm looking and uh, I think in the studio he sort of uh, occasionally lets himself go and laughs a little bit, which kind of doesn't, doesn't really go with sort of a news programme. But then you think it's OK. And I thought he was wearing an earring. Which I thought, you know, because it, it, and it's just apparently the light. The producer swears to me it's the light or something like that. And then we both noticed exactly the same thing. He's wearing a very prominent watch. 
In fact, it's almost too prominent. It's almost a case of, you know, most people wear their watch. Mine is, what, two inches away from, from the back of my hand. So if I was wearing a shirt, you wouldn't see my watch. Yeah, his is so prominent, it's almost like, guess what I've got, kind of thing. I was tempted to sort of write to him and go, freebie, you know, question mark, because it's just so prominent as watches go. Oh, it's not, obviously, but I mean, well, you don't know. And, uh, but it's, it's certainly very prominent. And it's also a bit chunky. I thought he'd have worn, I thought he'd be a Rolex man, something like that. There was a, there's a shop actually down the road from me where they do secondhand watches. And I looked at them and I thought, should I push the boat out and buy a secondhand Rolex? And then I thought, what for? What would be the point? I mean, sorry, just, well, I, I could, I could, I might ask Steve Dixon where he gets his watch from, but it's a bit too big for me. I don't like, uh, I'm more, I'm more discreet, but his is definitely large. You watch, we'll be mentioning this. Somebody from Sky be listening go, cover, cover the watch up. Steve, Steve Allen's noticed. You don't fool me. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm well aware of how these things work. I can remember once um, uh, there was um, a company and this person that I know was very prominent on television. And, um, and this company said, um, would you like a free kitchen? And he said, mm-hmm. I love a free kitchen. And so they said, can you mention it on the programme? He said, well, I can't guarantee to. It's very difficult to weave things like that in. It's not like Ant and Deck who can go out plugging a car on the television. Then the next minute, pretend, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. All kind of thing. And so he, he actually got the free kitchen. And because of the programme he's on, he couldn't really weave it in. It was a bit, uh, a bit difficult. But uh, I bet you somebody, somebody will listen on Sky. They'll be saying Steve Allen said Steve Dixon's watch was a little bit too prominent on the pro. It's noticeably prominent. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I normally notice things like that. But very interesting. Uh, Steve, have you noticed the disappearance of the upright button-operated toothpaste dispensers from the supermarket shelves, says Guinevere. No, no, I wouldn't. Um, I know the ones you mean. I know the ones you mean. I used to be intrigued by signal toothpaste. You know the toothpaste that came out in all different colours? Do you know how it came out? Because I used to think to myself, if it's all in the tube, how does it not all get mixed up when it comes out? And do you know how it is? Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is so exciting. You'll never believe this. In the tube, it's white toothpaste. As you squeeze it through the metal cap, the metal cap has got five little flanges inside it, and each one is coated, and it's that which turns the white into the blue and the red. There you go. You never knew that. You'd be telling everybody that today. Noreen's husband, Brian, Mr. B, has got a birthday today. Hope you enjoy your afternoon tea later. I know she's been going off to these concerts like there's no tomorrow. This woman must live at these concerts. I've never known anybody go to so many. So, Noreen, very happy birthday to uh, to Brian for today. Chris is in southwest London. He's going to a car boot in Chiswick. Car boot? They don't do car boots. It's far too posh. Car boot? Where are they doing a car boot in Chiswick? Oh, you don't mean the, the one that they're doing off the uh, the roundabout. It's at the school. Oh, no, I wouldn't go there. That's very... Uh, James O'Brien... I don't think James O'Brien does car boot. I don't think he even knows what a car boot is. Definitely not. But that's, that's where it is, I reckon, Chris. That's the only one I know, because I, as I'm coming in, I go past it, because they all queue further up the road. All sorts of people. Uh, Steve, and it says, saw you coming with that juicer gizmo by the sound of it. What's wrong with slicing a lemon in two with the oldie knife and squeezing it? Oh, no, 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 no. You've missed the point. You've completely missed the point. You don't understand it. The whole idea of the juicing gizmo, which has been around since, well, a long, long time, is that you can leave the lemon in the fridge. Once you cut your lemon in half, your lemon is going to dry up, isn't it? With this thing, you just leave it in the fridge 
and it works as an apple corer. You can do orange juice as well with it. No, no, no. It's uh, it's not being juiced at all. It's a very, very useful piece of equipment in the kitchen. Almost as almost as invaluable as Le Creuset. You know, other pots are probably available, but nobody does them like Le Creuset. Um, Kate goes out, and here she is going out with uh, with William. They don't hold hands anymore. They've actually got past that. She She's sort of dressed... He's sort of cashy-cashy, open-neck shirt, glasses on, you know, make me look serious kind of thing. And uh, she's going out in high heels. And um, and they go to um, to um, uh, the pre-wedding summit. This is uh, Pippa's in-laws. And so they've got uh, Pippa Middleton and James Matthews. Unfortunately, James comes with little Spencer. And you know the trouble Spencer has with things nowadays. So you'll have to make sure you keep him well away from the royals. But don't you go, uh, I can I uh, pop round. I don't think so, actually. Spencer will keep you well away. And the royal family will be saying, oh, these are the people, sir, you hang around with, and these are people you don't hang around with. And Spencer Matthews is one you definitely don't hang around with anywhere at all. Um, girl of five who's got a frizz, proving there is such a thing as uncompatible hair syndrome. I don't suffer from this, but I know many of you uh, do. And um, and she's sort of here. It's a very rare condition. Lila, she's one of only a 100 people. I watched that programme last night. It, well, it was a film, actually. And I, I watched it. I've seen it before, but I watched it again for some reason. And it's about a man who works for government in America and God decides he's going to be Noah. And so he builds an ark and then it floods. And it was really good, actually. I thought it was a nice little film. I thought the music was good. Not as good as The Greatest Story Ever Told, which is Hollywood's, um, uh, Hollywood's version of the Bible, which is good. Sorry to burst your bubble, says Alex. The toothpaste is coloured inside the tube. No, sadly not. Sadly not at all, I'm afraid. You don't need to be daft, do you? Uh, it's not metal flanges. They're little little buttons inside there, and that's got the colour on it. Because otherwise, when if the toothpaste was coloured inside the tube, it would all be squidgy when it came out. So sorry to burst your little bubble. But there again, I love educating people. It's my favourite thing on this programme. You know, I always like people who are really dumb and who really think that... Oh, no, definitely. This is the sort of person who probably believes in the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, little green people from outer space and and people living on other planets. No, the toothpaste is not coloured inside the tube. That would be stupid. Otherwise, it would all be mixed up, wouldn't it, as they push it in under pressure. So I think you need to check out on YouTube. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. And it, in fact, it was also done with James O'Brien's Magical Hour a couple of weeks back. He did that. Also, you'll be telling me next you don't know how lead gets in pencils. Actually, I shouldn't imagine you probably do. Or failing that, how you get the egg in egg loaf. You know where they do it with, with the meat around the outside and how every single person gets a slice of egg? I bet you don't know that one either, but I'm going to save that. And also, how do they get the pear in the bottle of pear brandy? You see, it's all these simple things that we like to educate you with. And the pear in the pear brandy is very simple. It grows in the bottle. The bottle is held in the tree with the pear inside it and it acts as its little, um, its little greenhouse. And then they just cut the pear off and then they fill it with brandy. And that's how it works. It's as simple as that. Uh, it's a nice one, actually. Uh, what else we got here? We've got, 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 got how to be a Downton hostess. And uh, I'd love to imagine living in Downton Abbey. Oh, that would be absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, also, that airhead Brooklyn broke my heart. This is the, uh, oh God, not her again, Talia Storm. The one who goes out sort of half wearing clothes, but nobody's ever heard her sing. Do you sing, dear, or you just go to charity events? But anyway, she now claims she had an 18-month romance with Brooklyn and was even introduced to his parents. I mean, do you really think we care? I mean, really, surely you don't. 
She says here, we were really serious. Victoria was so good to me and introduced me to even Longoria, but Brooklyn messed me about and then cut me off. He's an airhead. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, well, nobody's interested in you, actually, darling. I'm ever so sorry. It's very nice of me to turn up to a few charity events, but that's just about as exciting as it gets. Off to Wembley today to see Coventry City hopefully win the uh, the cup, says Ian. Coventry who? Who are they? Oh, it's a very Mickey Mouse cup. We're not sure about that one at all. I mean, heavens, who are they playing again? Oxford. Oh, dear. But honestly, you're not supporting Coventry City. It's going to be Oxford, isn't it? They're not only going to win the boat race, but they're going to win this... This little football league trophy at uh, trophy at Wembley trophy makes it sound quite exciting. Oh, we're going to win a trophy, but uh, no, no, no. It's it's going to be Oxford. Sorry about that. I'm sure Coventry City is lovely, but it is the place you're exiled to, isn't it? You know, they go. You're going to Coventry. They're also bottom of the league, so you know. I mean, I, d- I don't want to sort of embarrass you with my knowledge of Coventry City, but uh, you know, the things I know about Coventry City, you could write probably on a piece of foolscap. I'm good with things like that. I like to sort of expound of my knowledge. Oh, and by the way, the egg that goes through. The you know with with the pastry on the outside and the and the it's one long tube of egg, the egg comes in a tube. It's not individual eggs put in there. Otherwise, that'd be a bit silly. To it. It's one boiled egg in a long long tube, and the lead in the pencil. Hey, tell you about that one a bit later. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Jammy Dodgers apparently are perfect with Darjeeling. Just the kind of thing you need. I haven't had a Jammy Dodger for ages and ages. Sorry. Yeah, what's your favourite biscuit? Not on this show. Uh, Libby Purvis says, I lost my show, but radio is still the love of my life. They just sort of axed her to replace her with repeats or something. Just like that. Ridiculous, isn't it, really? Uh, Megan's wish list for Christmas. God, God, that's still not going on, is it? Sorry, Easter. I was moving us on. We haven't even had Easter eggs, have we? Uh, In Sutton High Street, Steve, uh, we have a 99 and pound shop. And now they've opened a Poundland shop. Should have seen the queue right down the high street. Yeah, we had the same. I don't know where these people came from. But, uh, yes, yeah, so everybody, every town has got uh, a thing, you know, which sells cheap food. You see people with basket, baskets full of stuff. And you think, you really think you're saving anything. I've been in there. I bought cup hooks and stuff like that. It's always very, uh, very entertaining. Thank you. So, uh, so coloured eggs, are they going to get married? No. Uh, will you be buying Easter eggs in the supermarkets? Yep. You will be. They're doing three for a tenner in certain supermarkets. Very interesting. But they say you will be shelling out more. It's the most expensive way of buying chocolate. If you actually work out pound for pound chocolate, um, you will see quite clearly that it's cheaper to go and buy chocolate. Because it's the packaging you're paying for. You don't think you're getting the packaging for free. Uh, One of society's most gilded families, now they're embroiled in claims of a fraud. The latest in an ever-growing line of scandals. For the curse of the kids... Uh, Gemma's firm folded. Debts are 1.3 million. Uh, model Jody divorced again after four months. Brother thrown out of posh. Uh, polo club. Barbados mansion. Now a bed and breakfast. So it goes on. Good Lord. Unbelievable. The kid family. I don't know enough about them. I just know that um, I just never heard of Jodie Kidd because I think she's a model. And that's about as far as I get, actually. Uh, how about the ship in the bottle? Is the lump of wood grown in the bottle as well? No, the the uh, the masts fold down. The masts fold down and then you push them in. I know a man, I know a man, does everybody, who can put a pack of playing cards into a bottle. Uh, he's a Canadian guy. I know a number of people who do it. And not only can he put a pack of playing cards in there, he can put them in there, in the box, and seal it with plastic. 
He can he could he can put playing cards into bottles, but uh, the ships the uh, the masts fold down and they generally put them in in two halves and then they're sort of put in and then glued inside. Very easy, very easy. But I remember you telling us about the pair getting in the bottle, but uh, that's what it is. Yeah, a pack of cards. In fact, I've got I've got a pair of scissors, a piece of rope in a in a knot. I've got a piece of wood with a bolt through it in a bottle. The bottle is perfectly normal. In fact, I think. You can send him your bottle and he will put stuff into it. A pack of playing cards. I've got a pack of um, of bicycle cards which are in there. And um, first of all, he could put individual cards in. Then he could put the whole pack in. It's very clever. It takes him about, I think, a couple of hours. And he charges about $100. You can buy them over here. You'll, you'll find them on the internet. You sort of type in pack of playing cards in bottle. And th- there's no joke to it. And there's no, there's no trick to it or anything like that. He can place them in there. Simple thing, isn't it, really? That's what some people do. That's why, you know, when you sort of read the... I think that came from a book of how to do all these different things. That's how I knew about the pear in the bottle. That's how I knew about the toothpaste thing. There's no end of things. Go, go and buy a tube of toothpaste, coloured, cut it open. You'll see it's white in the tube. I remember doing it ages... I'm going to go and buy a tube today. I'm so rich, I can afford to buy a tube of toothpaste. Oh, we managed to find somebody who's got a tube of toothpaste. This is where Darren and Ive has just sent us in. And here it is, a little video... You don't get much toothpaste in his, do you? Not very much at all. A quick look. What's he doing on here? And this is uh, this is Aquafresh. Cutting open with a knife. Lots of cutaways. It's not really as uh, clear cut as you think it is, actually. And uh, here is the Aquafresh, fresh and minty. And uh, and inside, inside is what's inside. Come on, open it up for goodness' sake. Oh, is that it? He stopped there, has he? It is very cutaway, isn't it? And that's inside there. And that, that gets out through the thing, does it? Yeah. This looks like a set-up one. This is definitely... Otherwise, how is all that... Look, it's all messed up down the bottom. So how does that get out there? So that's what you have to ask the question. So can it be so simple? Uh, no, it isn't. I mean, there is no way... I'm going to go and buy one of these this afternoon just to prove it to myself, because I know these things. Uh, so apparently it's already in the tube in colours. An engineering miracle. No, it's in the actual thing. Vorsprung, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I thought there were too many cutaways in that uh, that little thing there. Uh, what have we got here? My other Honda. Oh, there's a, there was a plane the other day on the television. It's called a Honda. The worst, uh, it, it's the car firm's nippy new little four-seater. Uh, it's four million, just in case you would. But actually, if you just won 20 million on the lottery, four million quid is not bad at all. Of course, you can't fly it. Can't fly the blooming thing, but uh, but quite nice. Uh, a campaigner's fury at the Vatican's contempt for abuse victims. This is um, a man here who claimed he's been ousted from the abuse commission. But I thought that the Vatican were very keen on clamping down on paedophile Catholic priests in the church. In fact, I think the Pope threw out something like 200 a few years ago. I'm pretty certain. Um, and then all of a sudden, so I'm not sure there is, there is abuse. What, what they didn't like, they didn't like it being drawn to the attention of them. But then I thought that the, uh, the Pope, Pope Francis has, um, has done a lot. I thought he had. I thought they, they were seen to be doing something because it was a huge problem in the Catholic Church of priests abusing uh, young girls, mainly young girls, and they didn't do anything about it. For years, they did nothing. The Catholic Church just closed their eyes. They didn't want to think about it, but everybody knew it went on. And in fact, it got exposed in various newspapers and television programmes and a very famous film about it where the abuse was being covered up. And I thought that the, uh, that the Pope had been dealing with it. That's what I thought. I'm quite sure that the story will not go away. 
How would you like a flat tummy in six weeks? Apparently Liz Earle's going to tell you. The secret of feeling great and losing weight. You keep your friendly bacteria... Do you know, I, I dreamt the other night about salads. I'm dreaming about salads. So today I'm going to try and have, for tea today, salad. I know it doesn't sound very exciting, does it, really? But uh, I'm determined to eat, to eat salads this week. Salad and nothing. Could I have salad cream? Probably full of sugar. Steve, I'm very good at getting air into a beer bottle. Yes, I, I would say that um, I would be as well. Uh, Steve, with the Aussie producer hospitalised, you're having a whip round. Those office parties aren't cheap. Get well. And soon he'll be rocking in his speedos. No, we're not having a whip round for him at all. Actually, the trouble is, what he's got is actually quite serious. We didn't realise how serious it is. I have to say that because he's supposed to be in here today. But, of course, he can't be because he's, he's uh, in hospital. You know, if, if you're going to think of an excuse to take a day off, this would not be it, let me tell you. So it's, it's quite serious for him. Uh, the Daily Star on Sunday today. TV Geordie's neck 1,300 bottles in six weeks. Just a sad bunch of drunks. Not particularly interesting. Casey Batchelor. Good God, you're not still going around, are you? God, I thought you'd finished ages and ages ago. Uh, hate books. Openly sold two miles from, uh, from Westminster. Islamic books advocating the killing of gay people and adulterers. Oh, dear. Well, we don't worry about those. Uh, the Axe Looming for Flop Coach Gavin. Rocket in Secret Talk snub over voice return. I've never seen The Voice. I've never seen it. It's never interested me at all. Um, I don't know why. And uh, Megan... The target in Sisters Tell All Book, Princess Pushy. Oh, no, don't tell me it's all just an act. I couldn't bear it, please. Uh, Gloria Honeyford talking about the fraudsters who conned her out of £120,000, proving that nobody is safe. And Nigel Martin Smith, take that's former manager, who says he's going to write a book. I bet he can tell you everything. I would love to read it. And then there was one piece in the paper today. Uh, one of the guys who's got um, uh, a column sort of a showbiz-type column, and uh, he's, uh, he's, he's getting a party together, and it's, it's for cancer and all the rest of it. And then you look at who he's actually got. Five live, he's got fi- li- five, that group there. Bewitched, Liberty X. It's not very promising, is it, really? Uh, plus he's got um, Tom Wilson-Reed, The Dream Boys, TV presenter Chris Hopkins. Hello? Who the Dickens is Chris Hopkins? Uh, Vicky Patterson and Amy Willerton. I don't know. <laughs> All looking a bit pear-shaped, I think, for that one. Um, and that's it for this morning. Oh, there is also a piece in one of the uh, the papers today. Uh, Sam, somebody who was an athlete, and now she wants to do Strictly. Nothing worse than somebody who's desperate and starts appealing in every interview. Oh, I'd love to do Strictly. Oh, I'd love to do this. Apparently she's turned up on everything. So far, she's not exactly made her mark, but uh, I'm sure she'll achieve her objective when they go, who can we get? Who's so desperate? Oh, get that Sam girl. Uh, very much. Uh, Prince Charles claimed he had to go and see a shrink. Uh, the thin yellow line in the Cotswold village was motor cars coming in to upset people there. Uh, I've given up drugs, say Marco Pierre White's son. He was just an embarrassment, I'm afraid. And um, the, the Chiswick school boot sale actually is quite good, mainly antiques and collectibles. Oh, don't be silly. I've been there before, Paul. Not antiques and collectibles at all. It's other people's rubbish that they're trying to get rid of. I've seen the cars. Hello. I know what antiques and collectibles look like. I've been there, believe you me. The True Blue Plus passport is reborn. And uh, Robbie Williams. He's on stage soon. 
He's only sold out one of the shows, but they're, they're quite big venues. I don't know whether or not it's all going to work or not. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. It's lbc.co.uk. And that means Monday through Friday you get a free podcast. Uh, don't forget, we're back again this evening at nine o'clock for In Conversation. And this week... Nigel Planer and Jude Law will be with me. So if you missed it yesterday, I urge you to uh, to get that one. She's out on location, Katie Hopkins, at 10 o'clock this morning. I think she's coming from, it's certainly Cornwall this morning. Cornwall. But uh, coming up right now with breakfast on LBC, Andrew Castle. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.